Luther. Thank you. God bless you. Well, good morning. I'll tell you, I'm so thankful to be able to fill the pulpit in the absence of Brother Josh today as, as he is with his family. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you folks here at the Tunnel Hill Baptist Church. My name is Kenny Rager, and I serve with your Kentucky Baptist Convention as a member of the evangelism team. Uh, the Kentucky Baptist Convention is created by churches and for churches, and you guys are part of that network of churches, our Southern Baptist churches across the state of Kentucky. And we all kind of come together and we work together and are able to do great things because we partner together. For example, because this church gives through the cooperative program, you are enabling ministries like Clear Creek Bible College, Onita Bible Institute, Sunrise Children's Services. You are uh, funding the staff of the, K of the KBC that are able to come and serve churches like I'm doing with you all today and to give consultations and, and to produce resources and all kinds of great stuff like that. Uh, in addition to what you are doing here in the state of Kentucky, the giving through the cooperative program also enables work through the North American Mission Board, which allows for church planting in areas like New York City and Miami and St. Louis and, and Oregon and, and Portland, Oregon and all kinds of places all over the United States. And perhaps the big one is that because you give through the cooperative program, you are enabling over 3,000 Southern Baptist missionaries to be on the field in, in foreign lands, in foreign lands, and they do not have to come home and raise support. They are fully funded for gospel ministry because the church is just like you. Isn't it wonderful what great things happen when we work together, Tunnel Hill? So thank you for being part of the Kentucky Baptist Convention family. We, we appreciate that greatly. Um, I know your bulletin uh, will say that my sermon title is from the book of John. And I, and now listen, your pastor is very, very proactive. He wanted my sermon title and, and my text earlier in the week. And I'll tell you, I'll just be honest with you. As I began, I gave him what I thought I was going to preach for you all this morning. But as I began to pray this week, I felt led towards another section. So is it okay if I divert from the bulletin this morning? Is that all right? Okay. If you got a copy of God's word, I want you to turn to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, not John, but the book of Luke chapter seven. And, uh, and we'll start in verse 11. I, I served as a pastor uh, for many years before coming on board with the Kentucky Baptist Convention. I served as a pastor and uh, even had the opportunity to plant a church. And one of the things that I often did as a pastor was that I visited folks. I would sometimes, uh, you know, visit them in their homes and have prayer with them. Uh, other times I would find myself, I found myself a lot of times in the hospital praying with people, making hospital visits. And uh, the best was when a baby was born. Those are always the best to be able to come in um, after that baby was born and pray with that family with that new. And I loved visiting folks and spending time with people. I love people. The story is told that there was a pastor who was making some hospital visits and, and one of his deacons was in the hospital and his name was Old Fred. And he decided to go visit Old Fred and he had some tubes and IVs and things hooked in them. And there in the rooms, he's praying with Fred and talking with Fred. Uh, Fred motions for the pastor to, to get him a piece of paper. And, he, and Fred begins to scribble something on a piece of paper and he hands it to the pastor. And right then, Fred dies. Right there, that's why he just dies. So everybody comes in, they rush in, the doctors and nurses. Well, about a week later, that same pastor is called upon to preach old Fred's funeral. 
And as he gets up, he, he gives a sermon and he talks about old Fred. And, and he realizes that in the hustle and bustle of that day when Fred passed away, that he took that note and stuck it in the, the inside jacket pocket, his inside pocket of his jacket. And as he was preaching the funeral, he said, you know what? I'm wearing the same jacket that I was wearing when old Fred passed away. And, and you know, he wrote me a note right before he died. And knowing Fred, he probably had a great word of inspiration. So he, he said, I'm going to read that to us. So he opened it up. And this is what it read. Please step to your left. You're standing on my oxygen tube. <laughs> you know, that may not be the best pastoral visit that was ever made. That might have been a, a bad visit, right? Not a good visit. But the truth is there are just some visits that a pastor can never resolve. There are some visits that your best friend can never resolve. But we appreciate our family when they come. We appreciate uh, church staff when they come and pour into us. But listen, no matter how much time a pastor spends with you or a family member spends with you or a friend spends with you, there are only some needs, many, many needs, by the way, that are only resolved and met. When you have a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus himself visits you. Let's stand to honor God's word. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 11 through 17. I'll be reading from the, from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. This is what the word of God says. Afterward, he, that's Jesus, was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was also with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't weep. Then he came up and he touched the open coffin, and the pallbearer stopped. And he said, Young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone and they glorified God saying, A great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout Judea and all the vicinity. Father, we thank you for the word. May you bless it this morning. We pray for Brother Josh and his family to God that they would get rest and spend needed time with their family. But I also pray today that you would help me to preach your word faithfully and within context. And God, and I also pray that you would open up our hearts today to hear what the Spirit is saying to this church, Father, Lord. And we pray that you, Lord, would help us today to respond to your word. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Christ had begun his earthly mission, and it was, he wasn't very far into it. And he was doing miracles and proclaiming truth. And, uh, and as he was doing that, he went through a town called Nain. Now, Nain was not a very important town. It was kind of an insignificant town. But nevertheless, the Lord wanted to go through Nain. And he had kind of his, his disciples with them and, and kind of a bit of an entourage with them. And as he is walking into the town of Nain, there is another group that's coming out of the town of Nain. And like Jesus, there is a procession 
But this is a very different group. As Christ is coming with his disciples, there is a funeral coming out of the town. And the funeral is of a young man who has died. And he is being carried in an open casket. And it would have probably been more of what we would call a litter or a beer, which was, was almost like a stretcher, so to speak, is what that was. And, and they were carrying the body of that young man out of the town to be buried. And, and that son, that boy, that man, that young man was the only son of his mother who so happened to be a widow. And as she and the funeral procession was coming out of the town, Jesus and his disciples were coming into the town. And you know what happens when grief and sorrow and pain intersects with Jesus, don't you? Miracles happen, church. When grief and sorrow and pain intersect with Jesus, expect great things to happen. And Christ comes and he walks up to that open casket, that, that, that stretcher that's holding that body. And he walks up to the young man and he, and he sees the mother who is crying and is a widow. And I love that. The Bible says that he has compassion on her. Isn't that a beautiful picture of Jesus? He has compassion on her. And he goes up to the dead body and he says, young man, get up. And he raises that boy from the dead. And he gives that boy back to his mother. Now, friends, when Jesus pays a visit to a town, expect great things to happen. And when Jesus pays a visit to your spirit and to your soul, expect great things to happen. There are many of us in this room today that are going through issues and struggles and temptations and trials and all types of things. And you know, you can, you can seek help in all kinds of ways and maybe you should seek help. You should. But here's the reality. If you don't come to Christ and if you don't let Christ into your life, you'll never get the help that you need. Today, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. Christ is wanting to visit you in your situation, he wants to come to you in your situation today and speak to you about what you're dealing with today. But Kenny, why would the Lord ever want to visit me? You know, I'm so insignificant. <laughs> now, why would Jesus, uh, God in flesh, care about me today? Why would the Lord want to come and intersect in my life and visit me today? Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Let's see what the Word of God would have to say. There's three things that I want to point out to you from this text and, and how I want you to see that Jesus wants to pay you a visit this morning. Christ wants to visit you this morning. The reason He wants to visit you, number one, is this. Jesus wants to visit you because He cares for you. Jesus wants to pay you a visit because He cares for you. Look at verse 13. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Jesus was going into Nain at the exact moment the lady and, and the funeral procession was coming out of, out of Nain. Now, quest, the quick survey. Do you think this was coincidental? Do you think this was an accident that Jesus chose to go through an insignificant town at the very moment that a lady... Was bearing her son was coming out of the town? Yes or no? What do you think? This was on purpose. 
Jesus went through this town on purpose. Now, listen, I, I pray that no one would be in the situation that this lady was in. But you have to understand, this lady was in bad shape. The Bible points out two things that are very clear. That she obviously lost her son. Tragic. Oh my gosh, that's tragic. That's horrible. But the Bible also says what? That she was a what? A widow. Now you have to understand something about this time period. That if you were a widow in this time period, your world was completely turned upside down. I mean completely turned upside down. You could go from having a well-to-do life, and if you were a lady and then your husband died, that was all in jeopardy overnight, almost immediately in jeopardy. And you would have to then be dependent upon your children. And, and, and th she had a son, so she would have had to be dependent on her son for her livelihood. Now, it's tragic enough to lose a child. Now, this was probably a young man. He was probably a teenager in his early 20s. But nevertheless, it was her boy. Are y'all with me on that? And she had lost her husband. And now she had lost her son. But now she's also lost something else. She's lost stability. Maybe she was a well-to-do lady, but now she would have to be totally dependent upon charity. Totally dependent upon people helping her. Totally dependent. She was in bad shape. And when Jesus intersects with her, what does the Lord do? He sees her and he has what upon her? Compassion. What a beautiful picture of Jesus. If you have a picture of Jesus today, of, of someone who's cold and distant and who doesn't love you and is mean and has a scowl on, on his face, hey friends, go to Luke 7 and look what it says about Jesus. When he sees this lady, his heart opens up to her. Anybody glad today that Jesus loves us today? That he loves us and he sees us in our pain. He sees us in our hurt. He sees us in our loneliness. And what does he do? He cares for us. He has compassion on us. Jesus cares for you. Friends, today you may find yourself in this lady's situation of, of destitute and of loneliness. Loneliness is a problem that many of us deal with today. I want you to hear this from... This, I read this from usnews.com. Listen to what this says, a report about loneliness. 27% of Americans rarely or never feel like there are people who understand them. 27%, a little over a quarter of Americans feel like nobody understands them. Only 27% uh, uh, feel like they belong to a group of friends and 24% report they can find companionship when they want it. Additionally, one in five Americans rarely, if ever, feel close to others. And only about half of all people report having meaningful in-person social interactions with friends and family on a daily basis. Only half of Americans say they have meaningful relationships. If we were to divide this room right down the middle, that means that some of you all over here feel like you have good relationships, but everybody over here feels like they do not. Listen to this. With Gen Z and millennials, younger folks report higher feelings of loneliness than older folks. They had this scale of, of a range from um, 
from 1 to 80, 80 being the loneliness. And listen to this, Gen Zers ages 18 through 22 scored a loneliness rate of 48.3 out of 80, making them the loneliest generation. Um, millennials ages 23 through 37, 39 come in second with a loneliness score of 45.3. The greatest generation ages 72 and older are the least loneliest. Can you believe that? The older folks are the least loneliness, loneliest generation. Meaning what? That our young people, our young people are hungry and thriving for community. Gee, I wonder if there was only a place where young people could find a community that would love them. Churches must be intentional about reaching young people. Amen? They have to. They must be intentional about reaching young people. They must be. But here's what I want you to know today. If you find yourself in a state of loneliness, hear this. Jesus cares for you. He sees you and has compassion on you. Christ wants to visit you in your loneliness because he cares for you. But number two, Jesus wants to visit you in your loneliness to comfort you. He wants to visit you because he cares for you. But second, he wants to visit you to bring you comfort this morning. Look at verse 13. He sees the lady. He has compassion on her. And what does he say? He says, don't weep. Now, time out. <laughs> time out for a second. She's been through death with her husband, right? And now she's lost her only son. And now she's on the borderline of economic ruin. What do you mean, don't weep? <laughs> Everybody around her is weeping because of, of what she's dealing with. How can Jesus tell her not to weep? And by the way, wasn't it Job's friends when they came and sat with him? Didn't, weren't they the ones that got in trouble when they opened their mouths instead of sitting in silence with Job? And by the way, didn't Paul himself tell us, weep with those who weep in Romans 12? And wait a minute, didn't Jesus himself weep over Jerusalem and weep at the tomb of Lazarus. So where does Jesus get by saying to this lady who just lost her son, don't weep? Because Christ knew that she didn't have to weep anymore. The reason Jesus told her not to weep wasn't because he was insensitive, because he'd already had compassion on her, right? The reason the Lord told her not to weep was because, you know what? Something's about to happen in your life where you don't have to weep anymore. I'm going to dry those tears up. I'm going to comfort you. It was his words, such wonderful words that he spoke to her that would bring, that would bring her the comfort that she needed. Did you know God's word still do the same thing? The Lord's word still brings us comfort. If you want an interaction with God, people say all the time, if only I could hear God speak to me, if only I could hear the voice of God, then I would believe. My friend, listen, he has given you his words. Did you know that? 
If you've got a copy of God's Bible with you today, every time you open the Bible, you have a face-to-face -face encounter with God. Every single time you open the Word of God. If you want comfort this morning, I want to tell you how to get it. Are you ready? Go to the Bible. Read the Bible. I am amazed at how many Christians never open their Bibles, never study their Bibles, or don't know how to study their Bibles. My friend, as a believer, you're missing out if you don't take time to read God's Word. There's 66 books of the Bible. You can start in whatever book you want to start in. I recommend that you start in the book of Matthew. And, and now this is revolutionary. I'm going to give you a revolutionary Bible study method. Are you ready? You ready? Start in the book of Matthew. Start with chapter 1. And when you're done with chapter 1, this is, hold on, go to chapter 2. And when you're done with chapter 2, hang on. This is, this is straight from the Kentucky Baptist Convention, Louisville headquarters. You ready? When chapter 2 is done, you ready? Try out chapter 3. Until you finish Matthew. And then guess what? Oh my. Move on over to the book of Mark. And do the same thing. Repeat, repeat, repeat until you've read the Bible. It ain't that hard. Did you know that? When you read, read with an ink pen in your hand. I'm not against digital translations. I listen, I use them all the time. And, and I, I flip through them all the time. I'm preaching off of an, uh, I'm using an iPad for my notes right now. So I'm not against digital. But I will tell you this. When studying the Word of God, get you a bound copy of God's Word. Get you an ink pen. And when, it's, and when the Lord speaks to you, underline it. Mark it. Put notes about what the Lord is speaking to you about. And I promise you, I promise you, you can go back, you can flip through and see how the Lord spoke to you. And, and, and it's amazing. Read and study your Bible. Who would like to be comforted by God this morning? Raise your hand. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Jesus wants to visit you because he cares for you, because he wants to comfort you. And here's the third one. Jesus wants to visit you in order to change you. In order to change you, to bring change into your life. Look at verse 14. Then he came up, he touched the open coffin, and the pallbearer stopped. And he said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Can you imagine this scene? Here is this dead body being carried out. And Christ walks up. He touches the open casket, and he leans over to the boy. He says, young man, get up. Listen, if Jesus tells you to do something, if Jesus tells you to get up, even if you're dead, you better get up. And that's exactly what happened. The man was brought back to life. And notice the text. Look back at the text. And what does Jesus do? What does it say? He gives the young man what? To his mother. What that meant was is that he was going to be able to provide and help his mother like he was supposed to. That's what that means. This lady was on her way to the graveyard. Are y'all with me on that? Jesus intersected. Did she still go to the graveyard, yes or no? Her entire course was changed. There was no reason to go to the graveyard. She had her son back. He was alive. Her life was changed. 
And let me tell you something. Every time the Lord comes to you in your hurt and your brokenness and your loneliness and he gets the word of God in front of you and he begins to speak to you through the word of God, hear me, you will not come out the same. He will change you. He will rearrange you. This happens throughout the Christian life. It's how the Christian life begins. If you're lost today and you don't know the Lord, but you repent of your sins and you believe and trust in Jesus, the Bible says that, that you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You've been changed. But even as a Christian, you will have multiple times in your life when the Lord changes you. Anybody today a little bit different than they were yesterday because of Jesus? Anybody? Every one of us should be. If we're Christians, I've had multiple times in my life. I didn't get resaved. You're only saved once. But as a Christian, there's been many times when God has come and rearranged me over and over again. Surely I'm not the only one the Lord's done that with, right? Completely changing and correcting me. You know, when you invite Jesus into your life, when you invite him into your heart, Listen, not only does he forgive you and give you grace, which he does, let me tell you what else he does. He rearranges the furniture. If you give him access into your life, he changes the way you live. He changes the way you think. He changes the way you speak. He changes the way you treat people. He changes everything. He changes your priorities. He changes it. Why? Because that's what he does. If he becomes a Lord over your life, listen. He'll be the Lord over your life. He'll be your boss. He wants to come to you today because he cares for you. He wants to comfort you and he wants to make you different. He wants to change you. But notice how the text ends. Do you see how the text ends? When word spreads that Jesus did this, word spreads throughout Nain, the people have two conclusions. And look what the text says. The two conclusions are this. They say, fear came over and they glorify God, verse 16, and they said this, a great prophet has risen among us. And they said, God has visited his people. The conclusion of these folks was, is that there's a prophet in our midst and it was Jesus. And that God had paid them a visit. The only problem was this. They didn't put the two together. They saw Jesus as a man working for God, and they knew that God had visited their town and their community. But they did not see Christ as God in flesh. Today, Jesus wants to visit you. But you need to see him as God in flesh. Kenny, do you really believe Jesus Christ is God? Absolutely, I do. God incarnate, he's God in flesh. And today, if you are willing to believe that Christ is indeed God and that he came to this earth and he died on the cross for your sins and he rose again and you turn from your sins and believe in Jesus, he can save you and give you grace. Maybe today you are lost and you don't know whether or not you're going to go to heaven when you die. Jesus is coming to visit you. He's knocking on the door of your heart, but you have to let them in. I'm going to ask if every head will be bowed and every eye will be closed. Brother Joe, would you come and if our uh, penis would come as well and begin to play softly this morning.
with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, and um, our piano is going to begin to play softly, I want you to reflect and meditate this morning about what was just preached. That Christ wants to visit you to comfort you because he cares for you and to change you. Maybe you're in this room today and you've never given your life and your heart to Jesus. And you say, Kenny, would Jesus really save me? Would he really come into my life? Do you know you're a sinner? Do you believe he died and rose again? Are you willing to turn from your sin, repent, and give your life to Jesus? If so, I want you to pray this with me today. He will save you. Pray this with me if you've never given your life to Jesus. Dear God, I am a sinner. I need Christ in my life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you rose again. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for visiting me. Now stay with me. With head still bowed and eyes still closed, I won't embarrass you or call you out. That's not how I operate. But if you prayed that for the very first time, would you acknowledge that Jesus just came into your heart for the very first time by raising your hand? Would you do that this morning? If you just received Jesus, would you raise your hand this morning that Christ just came into your heart? Many of us as Christians are going through difficult times and we need Jesus more than ever. We're we're going through loneliness. We're going through struggles. We're going through challenges. And we need a visit from the Lord. This morning as we begin to sing, I want you to bring your needs to the altar. I want you to cry out to God. Whatever it is you're dealing with, I want you to cry out to the Lord and ask Him to visit you in that situation. I'll be here to have prayer with anybody that would like to pray with me. But I invite all believers today who need a visit from the Lord to come and trust in Him. So Father, we thank You for Jesus. Help us today, Lord, to respond to your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we begin to sing?